My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. If you don't have good dental insurance or you don't have enough disposable income, you can't afford dental care. There's about one in three Canadians who lack any form of dental insurance and over one in five that avoid the dentist each year due to financial constraints. And the trend of access to dental care is getting worse. That's the voice of Brandon Doucette. He's today's guest on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. Doucette is a dentist. He lives and practices in Nova Scotia and has a particular interest in dental surgery and in public health. He's also a founding member of the Coalition for Dental Care, an organization that brings together dentists, hygienists, other healthcare professionals, and members of the public to advocate for universal dental care in Canada. It was his involvement in the surgical side of dentistry that first helped Doucette realize how many people in this country lack access to dental care. People who get dental surgery are generally people with severe dental needs, and often their needs are severe because they've been struggling to access basic dental care. In this country, the vast majority of dental care is provided in a privatized way, meaning it's paid for through dental benefits, most often associated with employment, or out of pocket, so lacking access to care is most often because you can't afford it. Over one-third of Canadians lack any form of dental coverage. In 2018, around 6.8 million people in this country avoided going to the dentist because of the cost. And, of course, not being able to get dental care when you need it can be really painful. And it can lead to long-term deterioration of your oral health, which is not only bad in its own right, but is associated with a whole host of other health conditions, from strokes to osteoporosis to cardiovascular disease and a whole lot more. In addition, it also burdens the non-dental healthcare system because lots of people seek treatment for dental pain from physicians. Difficulties in accessing dental care due to affordability appear to be getting worse due to the economic consequences of the pandemic. When Doucette first started working on this issue, he was on his own. He wrote some articles and gave some talks, but was pretty limited in his capacity to go beyond that sort of thing. In January 2019, he did a presentation at a conference for dental students at McGill University in Montreal. A number of the students in attendance were interested, and together they became the initial nucleus for the Coalition for Dental Care. Since then, their membership has grown and spread, as has their capacity to take on different projects. A lot of their work so far has focused on public education, and also lobbying. They've done a number of webinars, and they make extensive use of social media. Doucette and other members have, of course, continued to write and speak publicly about the issue. They're close to finishing a book on the topic, and hope to begin working on a documentary film project soon. As the pandemic recedes, they want to organize in-person events, actions, and even protests. And they're keen to continue to grow their alliances with other groups, representing people who experience disproportionate barriers to dental care. Seniors, disabled people, people living in poverty, and more. There are a number of different ways that Canada could begin moving towards universally accessible dental coverage. The federal NDP, with whom the coalition has been working on the issue, has proposed as a starting point a public dental insurance plan for families making less than $70,000 a year. 
Doucette agrees that this would be an important step forward. But personally, he believes that a model of direct public delivery of dental care would end up being more accessible. He particularly favors an approach that makes use not just of dentists, but of dental therapists, a now rare allied profession that's able to deliver basic aspects of dental care at lower costs. As was true decades ago with the introduction of socialized medical care in Canada, none of this will happen without a fight. The Liberals and Conservatives don't seem terribly interested in the issue, and many dentists themselves, much like many physicians in the pre-Medicare days, are opposed. But for Doucette, this makes it even more important for dentists, hygienists, students, and other healthcare professionals who have a commitment to justice to speak up and get involved. I speak with Doucette about dental care in Canada and about the Coalition for Dental Care's work to make it universally accessible. My name is Brandon Doucette. I'm a dentist practicing in Nova Scotia that has interest in surgery and public health. My interest in surgery, so you see a lot of extractions, we see a lot of people coming in with bad infections. It kind of got me interested in why do people come in in such a late stage and having bad dental disease? You know, these people probably were living with infections for a long period of time under a lot of pain. I was fortunate in my life for the dental care I have needed to be able to afford it. But once I started to scratch beneath the surface, I realized the percentage of the population that couldn't afford dental care was far greater than I thought it was. And that's actually what led me to forming the group Coalition for Dental Care, along with some like-minded colleagues of mine, mainly at McGill University. So I went into just a Bachelor of Science thinking that I wanted to do something medical related. And I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do other than the fact that I knew I wanted to work with my hands. And exploring the different career opportunities, dentistry interested me for the fact that it's very hands-on. You know, there's an artistic component to things as well as a surgical component. I was considering going into surgery through medicine as well, but it's harder to have a good work-life balance. I feel like in the medical field through surgery, there's very long hours. I value my work-life balance a lot. So that was something that led me towards dentistry as well. And my involvement with politics in general, I didn't have much introduction to that in my childhood. It was really once I got to university that I began exploring different ways of viewing the world that weren't just about kind of me as an individual. And I found a lot of resonance with kind of a more left-wing ideology. I think I got very much brought into like the Bernie Sanders campaign in 2016. And I think for a long time, I found a lot of those ideas very interesting, and I've really enjoyed learning about left-wing ideology, but I did that on my own. It wasn't necessarily that I was reaching out to different organizations at that time until I got started with a group called Fight for 15 and Fairness in Nova Scotia, looking to raise the minimum wage and have better workers' rights. That was really my first introduction to the more activist side of things. And it showed me a way of trying to push for change that I didn't have a ton of knowledge on at that time. I was already in dental school and it made me think, you know, how could I use my position of power in this sense? Because being a future dentist at the time, my voice carried more weight than the average person on this. It's unfortunate that that's the case, but it is the reality. So I started writing articles. And when I was writing articles, it was just me as an individual. I had some good people around me who would help with the writing because that really wasn't my strong suit or anything like that. 
But I wanted to figure out how can I actually raise this issue in a way where there's kind of a unified push for including dental care within our universal health care system, you know, forming a group with like-minded individuals, whether they be in the dental profession or we have people from all walks of life within the Coalition for Dental Care, people from the medical field, people who have children with disabilities who've struggled accessing dental care, people from all walks of life and people who have all different skills. So what are the details in Canada in terms of lack of access to dental care? To just explain how dental care in Canada works, When I say dental care is privatized, what I mean is that people use primarily their work-related insurance or out-of-pocket payments to access dental care. And this accounts for the overwhelming majority of dental spending at about 95%. And only 5% comes from targeted government programs. And 5% is a very low number. Like when we're comparing ourselves to other countries, we're near the bottom of developed countries. Even the Americans are at like 10%. The United Kingdom's at almost half. So we're really an outlier in how poorly we do when it comes to public dental spending. And because of that, if you don't have good dental insurance or you don't have enough disposable income, you can't afford dental care. And to give some numbers to that, there's about one in three Canadians who lack any form of dental insurance and over one in five that avoid the dentist each year due to financial constraints. And the trend of access to dental care is getting worse. So if we're looking at the structure of the economy, what we're seeing is more people are working in the precarious gig economy that doesn't provide benefits like dental insurance tied to their labor. And there's also a lot of older people retiring and losing their work-related benefits as well. So the number of people who are uninsured is rising. And once the COVID-19 pandemic hit, things became much worse. So people are struggling more financially. They're losing employment. When you don't have dental insurance, you often avoid routine care and preventative work because you're focusing all your money towards immediate needs, so dealing with pain and infection. And when people neglect that routine care, what we see is that there's effects of poor oral health on your overall health. So like some of the associations that's been made in the research is poor oral health can cause or worsen cardiovascular disease, diabetes, having a low birth weight infant, aspiration pneumonia, osteoporosis, metabolic syndrome, stroke. I'm sure there's many other ones. When the population by and large has poor oral health, we're going to see worse health outcomes as well. And we also see the impact on our healthcare system in other ways too, because most people who's ever had a toothache knows how miserable it is. They would do anything to get out of pain. Well, what happens a lot of the time is that people end up in the emergency room to try to deal with dental pain. And usually what ends up happening is these people get an antibiotic or pain medication, and they're basically told to go see a dentist. But they still can't afford to see a dentist. And this isn't, you know, the odd time that this happens. There was a study in Ontario back in 2014 that found that doctor's offices were visited on average every three minutes and emergency departments every nine minutes by patients seeking treatment for dental pain. And when we extrapolate this nationwide, it's estimated to cost taxpayers about $150 million every year. So these are huge problems because dental care is not included in our universal health care system. And it also has many social consequences. Like you could imagine having missing front teeth or visible decay. It's going to affect things like your self-esteem. And it's also going to make it harder to find work as well because it's a visible sign of poverty. 
And when it's harder to find employment, it traps people in that cycle of poverty where they can't afford care, they don't have dental insurance, they don't have a good income, and they kind of get stuck in that cycle. And the Coalition for Dental Care is trying to push for a different system because the existing way we've tried to fix the problem of lack of access to dental care is completely inadequate. We've relied on targeted dental programs for marginalized communities to try to help fill the gap for people who lack access to dental care. But this has never and I don't think will ever be enough to solve the problem. Targeted programs, they're very easily demonized as people getting free stuff. And what happens is these programs are very easily undermined by, say, cutting funding through de-indexing their fees from inflation. So each year that goes by, the amount that these programs pay out becomes less and less. And it makes the people who rely on those programs be a low priority for dentists. So even though there's about 5% of the population who are covered under these targeted dental programs, oftentimes these people even struggle finding a dentist who will accept them. When you have a universal system, there's much more buy-in from society as a whole because everyone relies on it. So when you try to cut funding for these programs, there's much broader backlash. And these programs stand the test of time better than targeted programs. And What's the history of this? Why isn't dental care included as part of socialized medical care in Canada? It's often referred to as the fight for Medicare in Canada. And the reason for that was it was literally a fight, particularly in Saskatchewan, where the medical profession was waging war against the people pushing for universal health care. They went on strike. The business community, the news community was very much opposed to this plan. And what was the CCF at the time, but is now the NDP, viewed it as we'll push for universal health care for physician services now, and then we'll come back to implement things like pharmacare, dental care, eye care at a later date. And what we've seen is since Medicare has been implemented, we haven't come back and revisited it, even though there was the intention of doing so originally, provincially in Saskatchewan. When we're looking federally, there were a lot of reasons given for not including dental care in Medicare. You know, there wasn't enough dentists at the time to serve the population needs. I don't think that's necessarily a good reason because, you know, if there's not enough healthcare providers, we should at least be prioritizing based on need rather than ability to pay. But that was something that did dissuade some politicians from taking on something that they didn't feel like they could deliver on. And it was still viewed federally as, you know, we'll do this now, but we'll come back to expand Medicare at a later date. And what we're seeing is that we're 50, 60 years out from that, and we still haven't done that. What's been involved in the founding and the core work of the Coalition for Dental Care? I gave a presentation on the need for a universal dental plan at a Canadian dental student conference back in 2019 in January. And there were people who were interested. And from there, we reached out to different dental schools and people in the public to try to raise awareness around this issue. And from there, we've grown. Like our main source of recruitment has been from McGill University. So we have a lot of dental students and people who are now graduated within the group. The McGill program has a stronger focus on dental public health. And I think the group there has a raised level of consciousness for these things already. We do have pockets in BC as well, as well as Ontario. 
and a couple people on the East Coast here as well. There's people from all walks of life. So we have a lot of people who are dental students or dentists, but we also have dental hygienists, people who are retired from the profession. We have lawyers, some people just from the general public who are really passionate about our cause. We have people who come from all different walks of life, have different skills, and we're trying to take on different projects from there as we gain the ability to do so. So one of the things we're working on is we're going to be submitting a book to be published with Fernwood Publishing soon. We've held various online webinars, written articles. We've done some work with Don Davies, who's the NDP health critic, along with working with dental public health specialists to help raise awareness for this issue. We've done a lot of Facebook live events with people associated with the NDP, which has been helpful. We've done work with people within the dental profession itself, with the Federation of Canadian Dental Students. We've done work with Dalhousie University, targeting more of the dental profession itself there, as well as events targeting the medical profession. Now we're looking at hopefully reaching out this year more to groups like the Canadian Federation of Students. We're hoping to reach out as well to the Canadian Association of Retired People. So CARP is an organization that represents retired peoples in Canada. We think that's a really important group because it's a group that deals with this problem in real time. Because what we see is a lot of people who are retired, they retire, they lose their work-related benefits if they were lucky enough to have them in the first place. We've done some work with Joan Rush as well. She's an advocate for people with disabilities. And we've tried to reach out to that community as well. There's a lot of different groups that struggle accessing dental care for various historical reasons. And we're hoping to get into the process of filming like a documentary film about the history of dental care in Canada and the consequences of that history. So it's something that as the group grows, we really want to take on as many projects as we can to raise awareness for this issue. We're hoping as the COVID restrictions ease as well, that we're able to do more things in person, like rallying, protesting. And yeah, it's really something that whoever is interested in the Coalition for Dental Care, we're more than happy to have their help and to utilize their skills in whatever way we can. Talk more about the book that you're working on. The first half of the book is really focused on the history of dental care in Canada and how dentistry has always operated outside of any sort of social contract. So it's really been a vessel for accumulating wealth for people, really, whether that be the private health insurance companies, dentists themselves. And what we're seeing now is increasingly a trend towards corporate ownership of dental clinics. So it goes over that history. It talks about the exclusion of dental care from Medicare as well as what was known as the Saskatchewan Dental Plan. That was a school-based dental plan in Saskatchewan in the 1970s and 80s. It was very innovative in the way that it provided care. So what we see now with public dental spending is that it's focused on paying dentists who work in private practice clinics, which has a lot of limitations to it. And the Saskatchewan Dental Plan actually had publicly owned dental clinics in the school-based setting, and they hired what are known as dental therapists to work in these clinics. And dental therapists, the way I would describe this is it's kind of the relationship of a nurse practitioner to a physician. So they can do a lot of the routine care at a fraction of the cost. So dental therapists could do things like fillings, simple extractions, cleanings for much, much more cost-effective than if dentists were to do this care. And having them work in these easily accessible publicly owned clinics was 
so successful at raising the oral health of children in Saskatchewan. And because it was so successful, it faced so much backlash from the dental profession itself, much like the way the idea of universal health care faced opposition from the medical profession. And dentists were hostile to dental therapy because it threatened their monopoly on dental care. And it showed that there was a better, more cost-efficient way of doing things than the private practice fee-for-service model. So I go over that history, and through that contextual analysis of the history, we can learn where do we go from there. And where we should go from there is looking at having a universal dental care system. So at the heart of that is, you know, everyone is guaranteed dental insurance throughout life, like we're guaranteed medical insurance. And not just looking at the insurance options. Insurance is great, but it doesn't guarantee that you have access to a provider to actually perform that care. So what we also look at is utilizing that public ownership model, much like what I just spoke of with the Saskatchewan Dental Plan in schools, but not just having these publicly owned clinics in schools, but also places like long-term care facilities, prisons, community health clinics. I'm sure there's plenty of other places that aren't coming to mind as well, where this public ownership model would be very effective. And it would also allow us to utilize the dental therapists working on a salary as well, the salaried model is very important when it comes to this because what we see in dental care because it operates on a fee-for-service model now is that dentists don't want to take on more complicated cases. If you're paying somebody on a fee-for-service model, if it takes them more time to do that care, you're actually disincentivizing those people from treating those populations. So having the salaried dental providers allows practitioners to take the time and energy needed to treat the people with those more complicated oral health needs. And the dental therapy model, it's a very cost-effective one. So the dental therapy model and the public ownership model, you know, there's better bang for our buck. That also allows us to provide a higher level of care to the entire population because we can make our money go further. That's really what the book is focusing on is the history that's led us to here, the consequences of that, and where do we go from here? What are the Coalition for Dental Care's key demands right now? There's different ways that this can be approached. One that I think is really important is reestablishing a dental therapy training program in Canada. Under the Harper Conservatives, they actually shut down the last dental therapy training program in the country, and it's a profession that's kind of dwindling away. So reestablishing a training program and then hiring the graduates to work in a community health setting would be a very immediate demand for us. So hiring those dental therapists to work in publicly owned clinics. So that's one angle of approaching it. Another angle of approaching it is to start providing dental insurance to the uninsured with the eye of expanding that until we get to a universal system. That's kind of the approach that the federal NDP has been taking, where their proposed plan is to provide dental insurance to families making under $70,000 per year. And that would be very helpful. I do think there's some limitations to kind of a more insurance-based system because dentists are still going to prioritize treating people who have private plans because they pay higher fees. So I think focusing more on the public ownership model and the dental therapy model is a more efficient way of using resources. 
But that being said, I'm still very happy that the NDP are taking on this issue and trying to bring this to a national stage. So what are the conversations like within the profession of dentistry about all of the things that we've been talking about today? I do think the dental profession, by and large, is against this. The people who join the coalition, they're not like that. But I do think the profession, by and large, they've benefited very well from the existing system. It's made them very well off. And they don't really see it as their problem. A lot of the people in the profession come from backgrounds that are very privileged and they've never experienced these things firsthand. And I think there's a lot of people who view people who have poor oral health as having some sort of an individual shortcoming. Looking at the history of this, I wish that the dental profession could learn. When we look back at the medical profession being opposed to universal health care, that's a national embarrassment. Like it really should be seen as that. A lot of the concern from the medical profession was that their incomes were going to go down. That didn't happen. Like doctors are still very well off now. And if anything, they benefited from the fact that now they can provide comprehensive treatment to their patients. Having doctors work in the way they do now, there's more incentives for them to serve the public good. For a physician to treat somebody who's low income, it's just part of their daily job because it's built into the system. Whereas what we see under our current dental care system is that to treat somebody who's low income now, basically you're doing charity. And that's never been enough to meet the demands for people. And often by the time they receive that charitable work, it's very late stage. But I do think there's a pervasive myth within the dental profession that that is enough for them to maintain their social contract. And it's not. I think that's the reason the Coalition for Dental Care has gained the traction that it has is because the message we're pushing resonates with people, but the dental profession hasn't been a leader on this. I think they're much more focused on their own financial interests and their own more personal things rather than trying to address structural problems. What does the Coalition for Dental Care have coming up? We have an event in November with Canadian Doctors for Medicare, where there's going to be a panel discussion on the future of Medicare in Canada. And that obviously includes expanding the program to include things like dental care, pharmacare. We also are going to be having another event in November with the FCDSA. So it's a Federation of Canadian Dental Students. And we're also looking to partner, hopefully, with the Canadian Federation of Students to hold another event soon as well. Once we get into the new year, April is Oral Health Month, so we tend to have a lot of social media content and a lot of writing articles and things like that to come out around then. We're also hoping to hold an in-person rally by then as well, so hopefully the case numbers for COVID aren't too high at that point that we can still go ahead with something like that. And more long-term things, I'm going to be submitting the book to the publisher within maybe the next week or two. So I'm looking forward to getting that off of my plate. And then we can focus some of our time and energy on some other projects. Like we're hoping to start a documentary film within the coming months. You have been listening to my interview with Brandon Doucette of the Coalition for Dental Care. To learn more about the group, search for Coalition for Dental Care on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>